I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Are you ready for the news with a side of bell pepper? Seriously, what the f*** are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's sweetheart. With America's sweetheart. Oh, my God. The Queen of Glendale. Glendale. Who are you? The Irish-American tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Welcome back to Trend Lightly. I'm Molly McAleer, and today I have my co-host, as always, Tiffany Maddox with me. Hey, girl. Hey, Molls. How's it going? Good. Got a new tattoo yesterday. I did, and I'm in that, like, I don't have, like, regretty about it, but it is definitely a little larger than I had planned for, but I'm really pleased because here's what I was thinking. I've been putting off doing so many things, buying a really nice kimono being one of them and getting more tattoos because I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's not the right time. But like, bitch, the world is ending and get the tattoo is my advice. It does feel like that, right? I loved that you called like sort of getting your nails done and stuff like that admin because that's exactly (laughs) what it is. It's like there's It's not this trip to the spa that's been pitched or that you see in rom-coms. Like, I don't know why it was ever treated like, oh, I'm going to get a relaxing manicure. That's, there's no such thing. All of these things we do, like, it's like, I just have to, this is the upkeep I need to be able to show up in the world. 100%. And also, I don't, as a rule, like, I don't like having beauty treatments from people who are like relaxing in inverted commas. What I want is like... I want an aggressive like nail buff always from my shout out my wonderful Bulgarian and uh, Kyrgyzstani nail tech. Love that. Shout them. out Bulgaria. 
shout out Bulgaria as always. And I want like, if I'm getting a wax, I want like, again, like the best wax I ever had was from a very angry French woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's, that's like the energy I want when I get my eyebrows like threaded. I'd like the woman I used to go to who killed it every time was borderline like rude to me. Like it was like my presence angered her and that's what I want. I no, I appreciate that too because it means that they're really just about getting the job done. And yeah. my mom always used to say, like, you want to go to Russian women for beauty treatments. That was always <laughs> her thing. Like, she's like, they yeah. get the best facials. They give like, yeah. or you know, generally. Well, that's that's we already are talking about it. Oh yeah, I said the word. Oh no. <laughs> I said the word. We're going to get to some stories this week that have to do with what's going on in Ukraine with Russia right now. I mean, I feel like I I know I'm going to fumble this. I'm I know I'm going to fumble something when we're telling these stories. But yeah, I mean, we all know I'm I'm the dumb American on this show. So thankfully, we have Tiffany here. Tiffany, can I tell you about something I've been going through this week on TikTok? Yes, tell me. Okay. So like three or four nights ago, I saw a video of a guy saying that like Kim Kardashian must have like a bladder of steel because she, you know, is always wearing these looks that like you just simply cannot go to the bathroom in without a team. Mm-hmm. And he, I realized when I was watching it, I'm like, I feel like I've he- heard Kim talking about diapers quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And recently like okay so when she went to the met within the mugler dress it was suggested on the show can you just wear a diaper and then of course we she didn't wear a diaper kendall was gonna wipe the pee off of her leg if she had to pee (laughs) but there was like a whole thing where like every recap mentioned this diaper obviously the clip was on the show and I just thought that was I just thought it was interesting because then when you also, you know, Google Kim Kardashian diaper, the other one that comes up that we all know about is that she was going to wear a diaper to do the baby bar. She did not wind up wearing a diaper, but this is a show that this is a story that she told on talk shows. This is like something that she really wanted to get out there that like her commitment to the baby bar was so intense that she was considering wearing diapers. Mm-hmm. And then you know, there was obviously like, you know, when she had, I believe it was, you know, North or Saint, she was describing childbirth as being like horrific. And she didn't know that afterwards she'd have to wear a diaper. And I thought it was like, I I was like, okay, I feel like, you know, we've heard Kim talk about diapers a lot. And while I was going through Google, I remembered that when she had like the insane BBL, like the one that she had when she first kind of got with Kanye. Mm Mm-hmm. People used to call her diaper ass. Mm. And there was memes everywhere about how Kim like looked like she was wearing a diaper. And we all remember in Mexico, I believe when she was staying at Joe Francis's house or something. Do you remember those paparazzi photos were taken of her in the Gucci bikini? So she hated those pictures. It was like a known nightmare thing for her that people caught her with like cellulite on her ass. So we've also noticed recently that the BBLs have scaled back. That's like a whole thing that the Kardashians are sort of subtly undoing their BBLs, which I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah. Like how does one undo a BBL? Do you just get like lipo? I guess because it's a fat transfer. So yeah. 
Yeah. And so I feel I I pitched the theory that I think that Kim has been intentionally talking about diapers in relation to positive accomplishments like the bar, like the Met, which is like, you know, that's her big moment of like iconography every fucking year is the Met. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having a child, those are all accomplishments for her. And it's burying the BBL meme, the diaper meme. And mm-hmm. so it was like, I kind of feel like this family has been talking about diapers very, I mean, like, it's just not common that you see a celebrity repeatedly talk about potentially wearing a diaper. No, absolutely. And if we're going to like really strap on the tinfoil hat, like, didn't Christiana have an endorsement deal with some like urinary incontinence thing? Exactly. Like about a decade ago. So like, how long has this been seeded for? So I think that like when they when things were really bad for Kim with the BBL in terms of people really making fun of her because it was quite obvious that she had gone too far. Mm-hmm. I think that she knew that there was going to be she was going to have to scale it back at some point. And I figured that the that maybe the best way that they could think of to make that less obvious over time is to just start planting these stories where she's talking about diapers. Mm-hmm. Now, when I tell you, I'm, I, I expect everyone to miss the point. I always expect many to miss the point, but I guess part two of my three part videos was the one that really hit the FYP. Like it has like 76,000 views or something insane like that now. And I have been called a diaper shamer. I have been called someone who like, you know, doesn't understand childbirth. And I'm like, babe, I don't, obviously I know about the, the weeks of fallout that happens post. I'm like, and by the way, like, I don't care if anyone has to wear a diaper. And then there's always the person online who, when you say fucking anything, they're like, well, my father has to wear a diaper. It's like, no one's talking about your father. Like literally (laughs) I'm talking about the Kardashians. Like we know that they are media manipulators and it does seem like some people understood and got on board with it but like now one of the comments on that second video the comment section on that second video is just all types talking about why they've had to wear a diaper in their life and it's I'm fascinated I'm fascinated by it like I mean thankfully it does seem like some people but like I, I, what what's so interesting is like People, like, choose to take things out of context, I think. Oh, absolutely they do. They love that. It's like their favorite thing, people, as if I'm not people. But it is. It's it's wild. It absolutely makes me so concerned to think about, like, if there was a trilogy and you only read the second book complaining (laughs) about not understanding what happened in the first or third book. Yeah, I it's just it's fascinating to me. And they're three minute, they're one minute videos. So it's like, so in the time that you took you to watch this video, form an opinion, scroll past my pinned comment that says you won't understand what I'm talking about, unfortunately, unless you part watch part one and two, Mm -hmm. leave a comment about how 
they are offended or feel like I'm not being considerate or I am judging new moms or people with incontinence issues, they choose to like be mad about that, then figure out if that's even what I'm even close to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It's fat. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's not even like, and it doesn't even feel like outragey because I guess maybe there's really truly nothing political about incontinence. You know, it doesn't even seem like, you know, clout rage or whatever, so to speak. It just is like, Oh, like you're, you are stupid. And my favorite part, (laughs) my favorite part is someone was like, are you dumb? And I was like, like literally I wish are you kidding me (laughs) like how freeing and beautiful it must be like oh the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind can you fucking like how amazing it would be to be I would love to be stupid oh my god what I would like 10 percent less complicated yeah yeah for sure anyway guys let me know what you think is Kim Kardashian talking about diapers to make it less obvious that she scaled back the BBL, which spurred the diaper meme. Okay. Do you want to talk about your girl? (laughs) Love that you refer to her as my girl. Yeah. So the queen isn't dead. And I really hope that she doesn't die in between the time that we record this and put this out. But the queen is not dead, despite what those on the internet have been saying. Jason Lee from Hollywood Unlocked put a post up on Instagram saying that the queen had died because he'd heard from a a close source. And even though there was responses, official responses, and there was no other kind of, um, there (laughs) there was no other media to suggest that the queen had died, he remained very steadfast about keeping this post up. He was absolutely, you know, he was convinced that, he had heard it from a really reputable source. He wasn't taking it down. And he was then, waiting for the palace to confirm. He was waiting for the palace. That's my to favorite confirm. part. Because, like, you know, it's a Hollywood unlocked. Like, you sound, you don't really often know who is the person behind these accounts or like quote unquote news organizations. But like this man got on his personal Twitter and like to address the integrity of the type of <laughs> material they post. And said, the palace hasn't released a confirmation or denial yet. I'm like, honey, are you, okay. But anyway, carry on. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that it will be Hollywood Unlocked that will break the news when eventually it does happen. I would put money on that. No, I would put, I honestly think like um, Megan would post it to her her blog before. So it turns out that this was just a very simple case of crossed wires. And um, I mean, I think you've probably been recommended at some point, right? The videos that they show you on YouTube that are like, what will happen the day the queen dies? And there's all of these like news articles and it's like, first of all, there'll be a call inside the palace that'll say, London Bridge has fallen. Yes. (laughs) And then the BBC will be put on red alert And they will make the announcement. And then all programming involving comedy will be scrapped for 24 hours or whatever it is. You know, all the rest is kind of shit. It's not going to come from, it's not going to come from fucking Hollywood Unlocked. So anyway. Oh, um, but also don't forget the stock market will be shut down. Oh, (laughs) yes. I think it's like five business days or something, which is like, 
just so exactly what our economy needs right now. <laughs> but maybe the queen is an AMC bag holder and maybe she's like, fuck this. Like, not until the squeeze is squozen will I choose to leave this mortal world. But yeah, that's that's basically not, <laughs> that's not what happened. She did not die. It is actually much funnier and much more complex than that. So Jason Lee was at a wedding um, which was, was it Edward Ennefel's wedding? And according to Lee, the queen was supposed to attend the massive star studded ceremony in Wiltshire on Tuesday, which is very odd because I don't know why the queen would be at Edward Ennefel, who's the editor of Vogue UK's wedding. But anyway, so also she was not on a published guest list, which would be very odd again for the queen to not do that. She has no personal relationship to Edward Ennefel and she stopped in-person meetings after testing positive for COVID. So well, yeah, that's also the headline too, is that the queen, if she were to pass, it is likely because Prince Charles gave her COVID. He's been wanting that throne for such a long time, like a power move by him, if you ask me. So Lee said that a guest close to the Queen, quote, received a phone call and reacted emotionally to a few people. And those few people were informed that that's what had happened. So that's that his that's his close source. So he sees someone get a phone call. They're very upset. And he's like, oh, holy shit. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tweet this or I'm going to create an Instagram story about this. So actually, it wasn't that. Um, that wasn't what the person was reacting to. What they were reacting to was that um, a member of Queens of the Stone Age had passed. Yeah, it's very, it's giving David died. It's giving David's dead. Oh yes. my God. Do you, do you, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, there's like a famous celebrity Big Brother clip where <laughs> I guess there was a guy named David in the house. It but- was David Guest, former... A former husband of Liza Minnelli was asleep in bed. Angie Bowie, the first wife of David Bowie, was there, as was Tiffany New York Pollard. Angie Bowie was brought into the diary room and told that David Bowie had passed. She put black ribbons in her hair and was a little bit bummed out and came out. Tiffany was sat there and was like, what's going on? And she said, David's dead. And she goes, oh, oh, God, oh, my God. And she goes, no, don't, Tiffany, don't say anything. Yeah, you're right. And then <laughs> Tiffany goes fucking nuts, like, because she thinks David Guest has passed in the house and no one knows. But David's dead. So they go and check on him and he's asleep. <laughs> David's not dead. He's asleep in there. And she goes, not, not David, David, my ex-husband, David. Why would he say that David is dead? I'm sorry. I'm not doing a full monologue about it, but it's committed to memory malls. I apologize. No, but that's like literally exactly what happened. It's like, also what a, like, it's not even just an odd game of telephone. It's like, it was, it's so, it's like a strange, like, it's very, it's very strange that he thought he was putting that together at a wedding. Just, yes. Yeah. And if you can't yeah. trust Hollywood Unlocked, who can you trust? <laughs> I know. I know. But what, like, what a coup for the palace, though. Imagine they just like, that's the avenue that they choose to break the real news in the future. If they're like, actually, fuck the plans. Fuck the BBC. Let's go straight to Jason Lee. Sometimes that happens, you know? Sometimes it does happen that these like odd little like, you know, offshoot, strange Instagram sort of... <laughs> Sometimes they really do get the scoop. So 
Mm-hmm. I actually wouldn't be surprised if we are not far away from Instagram sort of like gossip accounts being a major <laughs> news source for something very important in this world. Oh, but- Hyundai P. If Dumois was like, Putin's actually decided to retreat from Russia. He was spotted XOXO like on the border. Uh, yeah. Dumois is like, guys, I I feel like I'm starting to have like beef with Dumois. Did you hear the rumor that people think Jamie Gleischer, who was the girl who wasn't Ellie Hilfiger, Tommy Hilfiger's daughter, on the MTV show Rich Girls, Jamie Gleischer might they people think that she's the one behind Dumois. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. But yeah, no, like Dumois is like, I don't know. I kind of, I hate to say it. We did actually just do a really long blind item bonus. I've just, I've always loved blind items. They're like one of my favorite spots on the internet. It's an old, trusty, reliable thing. Mm-hmm. I I feel like Dumois is going to be some sort of toppling of that industry. I do. I think Dumois is going to be responsible for something that makes people back off of being mm. interested in blind items because they're so reckless. Right. And I don't know if you saw, I posted to our, our Instagram stories yesterday. There was a picture of a woman who looked like she could be no larger than a size eight. Like I would say she was a very, she was on the slender side of, of, a human being generally. Okay. And she was wearing an XL Dumois <gasps> sweatshirt. Yeah. And it fit like, like, you know, if you saw a very slender girl wearing a medium mm-hmm. and I was like, I was like, what? Like that was a total record scratch moment for me because even with our merch, you know, it only goes up to three X right now. And I don't, I, I feel bad about that. I wish we could do more because I know that, you know, people be needing sizes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of blown away by how small their merch is. Yeah. Not a good look for someone who's, who's slender to be wearing a XL and it'd be kind of pretty not snug, but definitely not roomy. Yeah, it was, it's very odd. I mean, unless I'm missing some sort of context that that woman's like absolutely fucking ripped underneath there or like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I don't know, but it's, yeah, it was strange. So speaking of strange, people have been comparing this to the Imagine video that of course Gal Gadot famously arranged for at the beginning of the pandemic, which I think we can all agree. (laughs) It was a... It was, it's something that we'll all always remember, I think. Just, you know, it was at that point we were home for two weeks and a group of celebrities all coming from directly from their mansions or the beautiful pastures behind their homes, each singing a line from Imagine by John Lennon. Is is that, that's just a solo John. That's That's just pure John. Yeah. So I, but I am so much more intrigued by what Annalyn McCord did this week. Annalyn McCord was on the reboot of 90210 that was on Fox, uh, you know, maybe in the mid aughts. And I think a lot of people might remember Sinead Grimes was on that show. Um, If you are a Degrassi head, 
that's who you would like probably be able to locate on there. But she fell out of the picture basically for a very long time. And I believe last year popped up in the media because to reveal that she was diagnosed with DID, which is, Mm. if you remember, this is the, this is the affliction that Trisha Paytas has (laughs) convinced she has. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I point that out only to say that that's really the last I've heard from her until she posted this. I don't know. What would you call this? A spoken word? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a few steps away from being like slam poetry, I feel. Yes. Uh huh. I mean, maybe we should snap at the end. I wish I could snap. I'm one of those. I can't snap. (laughs) Okay, we're going to play. Well, frankly, we're probably going to play most of it. But let's just start off and give you the premise. Dear Mr. President Vladimir Putin, I'm going to hit play. Dear President Vladimir Putin, I'm so sorry that I was not your mother. If I was your mother, you would have been so loved, held in the arms of joyous light. Never would the story's plight, the world unfurled before our eyes, a pure demise of nations sitting peaceful under a night sky. If I was your mother, the world would have been warm, so much laughter and joy, and nothing would harm. I can't imagine the stain, the soul-stealing pain that the little boy you must have seen and believed, and the formulation of thought quickly taught that you lived in a cruel, unjust world. Is this why you now decide no one will get the best of you? I I mean, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's 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 an incredible character piece. It is a great piece of performance of a of a white woman who's almost too woke. And I really look forward to seeing what comedy series this is going to slot into because surely this is not fucking real. I mean, but is is there anything woke about this? Like, it's also, I mean, I think it's missing every point. Like, I think <laughs> Donald Trump would still be a bad guy even if he had a very doting, loving mother. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it is also my pet peeve that like, I don't know. I don't th- always, I'm, I'm, I am very, very, I'm very soft at the core. I'm very, very soft and very, very gooey and very, very liberal. And I do truly think that like, really, we just need to, we need a little bit more love. That said, I don't think that the problem with Vladimir Putin is that he wasn't loved enough as a child, for sure. Like, that's fucking bonkers. Settle down. It's, it makes me wonder what, what made her feel like she had to do this. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that she thought that like this was going to be a profound moment like did she think that this was really going to add something to this discourse like that's the thing for me because I'm like she doesn't read as someone who's like you know will just do something and say something to troll a little bit as like a Trisha would like well she'll just say something controversial and, and know in her heart that like what she's saying is going to ruffle feathers this feels to me like someone waking up and going you know what I have the take to end all takes and it's you're not going to see it coming babe and this is really going to add to this well it's like the same insult 
end injury as the Imagine video in that sense. Because, of course, she absolutely thought this was going to help. Same thing with the Imagine video. Like, they really, all of them really got together. And, like, there was comedians in it who were were playing it dead straight. I don't think Mm -hmm. it was, I don't think it was a bit. I really feel like this is where we people get a glimpse at how like truly demented even some of the best celebrities really are. Right. Like this is why you don't want to meet them. Like it's because they're fucking weird, dude. Like there's definitely some who are not. I mean, people always talk about them and it's always like the third lead on some FX show. Who's like a really good guy. And it's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's exactly who everyone's talking about. Mm -hmm. I'll pick up a little bit here, 48 seconds in. Is this why you do not hide nor away shy from taking back the world? It was it because so early in life, all that strife wrapped your little body with fear. If I was your mother, if the world was cold, I'd have died to make you warm. I'd have died to protect you from the unjust, the violence, the terror, the uncertainty. I would have died to give you life. Oh, dear Mr. President Putin, if only I'd been your mother. Perhaps the torture of unwritten youth would not within your heart imbue ascription to such fealty against that world that you thought was so cruel. I hate to say this, but like, she was, I mean, everyone kind of knew that everyone on that 90210 reboot was there because they were attractive. Mm Mm-hmm. And not great necessarily at their craft, but this is just like, again, such an ambitious piece for her to take on here. <laughs> I want to be next to her with like a hacky sack or something. I don't know. Like it's giving that. It does look like she has a nice little apartment though. You know, maybe a condo or something, which makes me happy. Good for her. And she's very yeah. beautiful. She's super beautiful and she doesn't look like she's really touched her face, which is nice. You know, although we support that. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll pick up here for a a little bit more. I don't know if we should focus on this for too long because it is the most absurd thing. It's absurd. Perhaps you would hold dear human life. And on this night, instead of Mother Russia, you would call me and I would set your mind quite free with the love that only a mother can give. And only a mother can take away. When holds, she doesn't harm at bay and leaves her boy for the promise of a man. Whatever your did, she just threaten to abort him. I think she did. <laughs> <laughs> this is so crazy. I mean, listen. Actually, that's kind of funny. I'm gonna give her that. I don't think I. I think I was so horrified anytime I've seen this that I've kind of like watched a little bit, squinted, and then like it's, scrolled. Oh, you can't look directly at it. Like I found it very challenging to watch it all the way through because I'm like, I get, I just get the gist of this, but like maybe now with a little bit of perspective, I can enjoy the full thing as like if I can detach myself from it a- enough, I can enjoy it as a piece of performance art. Yeah, I think I could only do this with you. And tr- yes, I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm like nervously improvising acupressure on my hands right now as I watch this. Like, just here's the rest starting at 150. Mr. President Putin, 
I can't imagine how it feels in your heart, but I know if I was your mother, I would be a start towards the awareness of what a powerful being of light you could be if your mind was only free from the violence you've seen when you were just two or three. I cannot believe I was born too late in a different place when I would have loved you so, watched you play wherever you go. And the best part is, is like this strange cutoff. Like it's almost like she did way more, but yeah. then like didn't like her performance, but like she like had already maybe done a couple takes. And that was, was going to be my question. How many takes? <laughs> well, definitely a lot because oh, yeah. there's things there that like as someone who speaks on mic, well, I, I do not speak perfectly at all with ad copy occasionally I'll slightly flub a word. And if I do that, I get very frustrated and I always start over again. But sometimes I've been, and I always like to do my ad reads straight through. I don't like to edit them because I don't think I'm being paid to do that. But I think they sound more natural that way. But mm -hmm. sometimes I will slightly flub a word on my third, especially if it's something that has like a lot of like medical words in it or something that's just generally like kind of difficult to say. And I'll let it go. And there was something she did. I don't remember the exact moment, but there was sh something she did that I was like, oh, I would have re retaken that from the top. <laughs> yeah, we've got notes actually for you, Annalyn. <laughs> about the performance not the content just the just the performance well do you know that she's actually responded to the backlash no oh, this is incredible so she says um in an interview with buzzfeed news who reached out to her for comment after this has gone viral it's had 23 million views and it's been ratioed to fuck as people are just kind of responding to it she said she's doubled down i want to point that out she has doubled down she hasn't she doesn't really see a problem with it and this is this is her response. I know how easily, I know how I could easily have moved in the direction of becoming a dictator myself. <laughs> the court told BuzzFeed News. Iconic. I <laughs> she said, if certain circumstances of my life were different, were I a little less bent towards healing and more towards vindication, I could have been a darkly powerful person. <laughs> you know what? is so funny about that is while I was watching this, I thought it's giving in the program to me. I'm get it's like giving there's something sort of like very AA about the way that she's talking, you know, in terms of like healing an inner child mm -hmm. that's broken. And it's such like a simplification of what it would mean to be, you know, just down to kill millions of people like it's like that's it's such like the type of person that does that the problem is never that they have a broken inner child <laughs> no and I think that's the problem too is like because your average person could never possibly understand why someone would do something like that they try to apply like the sort of like mental health things that they've learned to cope in their life. They try to apply that to a person who's thinking you will just never understand. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'll, yes, of course. A lot of like serial killers, for example, you do see a lot of like, you know, 
They came from abusive situations. They were molested. Their mother tortured them. Like all sorts of things like that, right? Yes. That does inspire evil in some. Right. The Trinity, isn't it? It's usually like the three is like born with born as a psychopath, had trauma, and like childhood abuse. Yeah, I think I have CTE. But yeah, yeah, that's like that, that's like the cluster, right? So then you take Annalyn McCord here. And she's doing a very classic thing. It's like anyone who's like been in a relationship with a narcissist will spend all day long trying to apply logic to what it is like they went through with that Mm -hmm. narcissist. But it's fucking pointless. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot understand. Like you can't under it's like I don't you I don't think you can understand, which is the most frustrating thing in the world. Would it have led me to do something like this? No, I'm more like the type of person who's going to sort of ramble about this on my podcast instead of <laughs> writing a very, I don't know, sort of delusional monologue. <laughs> but the, yeah. she's got the spirit. Yeah, yeah. She she definitely did something. Was it the right thing? No, but she did a thing. Right. Okay, you pointed this story out to me, this next one. We're covering the lighter elements of everything that's going on right now because one, I I mean, I personally don't feel informed enough, but two, this is Trend Lightly. Our stories are based like specifically on the internet and I don't know if we're the best people to be delivering updates about what is no. what terrible things are happening to people right no. now. We are not um, a reputable journalistic source. And also... Like, if you are someone who, like me, has been, like, consuming media that's deeply upsetting for the last couple of days, it's actually totally fine to not do that. And it doesn't mean that you're in some way disconnected or, like, not being compassionate about people who are suffering greatly. Like, it's okay to take a fucking breather. It's okay to not be informed every minute of every day. And also bear in mind, there's just huge amounts of misinformation at the moment. Like, I really don't think we want to contribute to that discourse. We don't want to contribute to the misinformation, but this is like the first potential world war that's being lived out on the internet. And so like, bear that in mind and take things with a grain of salt when you see them online. When you see deeply upsetting images, they they may not be from this particular conflict. Like we've seen this happen quite a lot with yes. really horrific things. So, and you can, you know what, if you're getting shit in your feeds, that's um really upsetting. You can turn off like media previews and Twitter. If you don't want to see, if you don't want to see basically children dying. Yeah. With your morning coffee, like turn off the previews, maybe like block a couple hashtags for a few days, like take a step back. It doesn't mean that you're choosing like willful willful ignorance. It just means that like this has been an incredibly hard couple of years and this is a really hard thing that's happening and it's fine to take a breather. That's an amazing point, by the way. And it's worth it's worth saying about the misinformation specifically. I think, I don't know, there's been a few things like maybe during, you know, when with the border crisis, for example, with all the kids at the mm-hmm. border. Like, it's not uncommon that you would see a picture that was actually from a completely different, terrible situation on the other side of the world. And people saying, like, look what's, you know, look what's actually happening right now or whatever. And Mm -hmm. everyone retweeting it and believing it. And then finally, there's like one guy, usually named Jason, who's like, 
oh, actually, this photo's from this thing. And then, like, people either not believing him or choosing to ignore or whatever. It's always, like, a Jason, don't you feel? Always. I mean, you can always count on a Jason. And so, <laughs> yeah, I that's a really good point because people are – we yeah, we live in a scroll-driven society. <laughs> so – yeah, absolutely. And I, I we probably, well, we'll put a link to this other video that's gone up from Kip Boger on YouTube, who's a, he, he does a lot of videos where he exposes kind of scammers. And he has made a video on something which I've noticed a lot. I don't know if you have as well on your FYP malls, but when you're kind of scrolling through lives, I see a lot of lives that look and appear as if somebody is kind of live streaming from Ukraine and people are sending in donations and quite a lot of them that I've seen are they're looping videos that have turned out to be incredibly fake and people are using the chaos of the conflict like they're quite literally the fog of war right now to exploit people's hunger and need for this information and garner kind of TikTok likes and donations and TikTok as a platform is not currently equipped to deal with it or not dealing with it effectively. So if you're going on your live pages and you're seeing like videos that are essentially looping, um, Kit Boger has done a deep dive into some of the streams and some of them are literally footage from video games with people talking over them as if the footage from the video game is like literally watching shelling. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of rough out there. So again, like take and- it with a grain of salt. Like, we have to remember that, like, so, I mean, as everyone talks about, like, you know, in terms of TikTok, everyone's like, oh, China has our information. Well, let's not forget who has been really running shit online for years now in terms of just bots starting fights every fucking day. Like, Mm -hmm. they'll start, someone will just say some polarizing things, some bot will say a polarizing thing, it will turn into a trending topic, and they're fucking Russian bots dude yeah we had uh Brexit was essentially in it kind of happened because of the amount of like Russian propaganda and the manipulation of like Facebook data and Cambridge Analytica that was kind of Russian funded we know that like certain leaks that happened in the US tied to the elections were also Russian influenced and this has been a move of like a long-term plan to destabilize the West so like bear in mind Russia has a precedent (laughs) exactly as you've said like Russia has been playing this kind of misinformation game online for quite some time now and kind of laying the groundwork. So I think we just have to be super cautious about the stuff that we choose to to share and forward. You know, people have been sharing kind of donation links and stuff and with a little bit of like a few clicks away, like a few Googles away, some of those organizations are connected to like far right, like fringe groups. So like before you start, you know, I'm not I'm not saying like don't, help if you don't if you feel compelled like of course like this is a fucking tragic situation but like take a step back like take a breath like assess what it is that you're seeing give yourself a a second to to process that is it insensitive to say that anytime I hear the word brexit it makes me hungry (laughs) no because it it sounds delicious delicious? it sounds so good like I want a Brexit like are you kidding me that's, oh my God, I don't know like what a... it is it's like king's hands like I don't really <laughs> know what it is but I know I want it so bad yeah they had all this weird like food like related stuff around the Brexit anyway because they kept saying like the weird conservative propaganda was like we're getting an oven ready Brexit deal and I was like mm, oven ready Brexit 
I also feel that way about impeachment. Like, I think Ooh. it sounds like a delicious sorbet. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just dying for it. Like a little scoop of impeachment gelato. Like, incredible. Um, it seems sophisticated. This is a story you brought to my attention, Tiff, that yeah. I lost my mind. I lost my fucking mind because we have to remember people who are in any sort of army or military traditionally are very young, right? Yes. They get them young. And, you know, all these boys are over in Ukraine right now and they've got one thing on their minds. You know, <laughs> and so apparently, I mean, you, you told me this, I'm going to play the, um, spiritual squirrel Vox video that you sent over mm -hmm. iconic. This is so great. Hey, quick question. Uh, are men really that predictable? Piece from the front line is that Russian soldiers are Tinder matching with Ukrainian ladies and getting catfished giving away their location so absolutely yes uh, like <laughs> i know that pussy is the downfall of so many <laughs> dick too you know frankly yeah but like if there's one thing you can rely on in life it's men being horny and in oh my god yeah even during some of the most inappropriate times well, there's also women of a precedent in doing this and like shout out to the girls. But, you know, during the Second World War, there were many, there was a, a gaggle of Dutch girls who used to seduce Nazis and essentially take, basically bring them to the, to the other side for them to be murdered, to be executed. They would, they would lure the Nazis away uh, from their squads. Yeah, they'll be able to take care of quite a few this yes. way. I think so. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, it's kind of nuts. But also, like, some of them may just be dating. So, like, there's also a New York Post article that says that, uh, you know, there were some women who lived in Kiev but were kind of changing their location settings to uh, towns closer to the border. It says one woman who changed her location, who was a 33-year-old, and she said, one muscular guy posed up trying to look sexy in bed, posing with his pistol. Another was in full Russian combat gear, and others just showed off in tight, stripy vests. I didn't find any of them attractive and would never consider sleeping with the enemy. I automatically swiped left to reject them, but there were so many I got curious and got into a message exchange. It was funny but scary at the same time, knowing they were so close. So apparently she, this girl, uh, whose name I can't pronounce, and I'm not going to butcher it, but she had she had um, exchanged pictures with a guy who was sending her uh, videos of him with his Kalashnikov, and, and then she asked him if he was in the if he was in the Russian army, and he sent her back a gif of Jim Carrey <laughs> that was like him saying, "Oops, yep, that's me. I'm in the Russian army." So I don't think you should be able to use Jim Carrey memes. If you're in the if Russian you're... army, <laughs> I feel like that's, that's like yeah, a one boundary. more sanction. Yeah, I know there's no boundaries really in war. But for me, there that's a boundary issue. Like it's like, oh, really? Huh? You love Jim mm -hmm. Carrey? OK, then calm down. Go home. Apparently, the troops have been ordered to turn off their phones so they can't do that anymore. But I mean, this for me is a really interesting story because it does show the real true like humanity of war. Like these are young men and young women 
who are very much like us who are using Tinder, who have got the same, like, they're writing the same corny bios, they're sending the same corny gifts. Like, it's kind of, it kind of grounds it a little bit for me. Yeah. It, well, it's also sad because, like, they're kids. Yeah. You know? So young. To you and I, these are children, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know if people... I mean, I I don't think that you. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I don't think that for something like this, any of them necessarily signed up for it, per se. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's like, I don't know. If it's This is very surreal to me. It is. It is totally this is, surreal. Like, the effects of like World War Two, the effects that that has had on just my family and the like basically the like foundation of I think of a lot of what was going on with my grandparents and the way that they raised their kids, the way that I was raised, it's all tied to trauma from yeah. living through that from you know, my grandfather was, I think he was a medic. Um, but it's like, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's, I I don't think any of us are even close to prepared for this. No, it's been really interesting actually seeing the, like the memes, the, like the TikTok response, like all of that stuff of just like young people in particular processing the absurdity and strangeness of this in real time um and I was like whoa this might be you know the first first world war with like with memes but yeah it's it's kind of it's it's like it's beyond comprehension and I think like 
to go back to like the earlier point, like the reason why we're not like going to do a full blown chat about what's going on in Ukraine is because like we're just not the ones to do that right now. No, I do think Kyle Rittenhouse needs to get his little ass over there, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there may be a few people that could maybe uh, enlist. Yeah. Oh, here's the thing. So I was thinking about this. I almost wanted to make a TikTok about it. But, you know, we're at that place where anything you say that's like even, I don't know, maybe the shape of a joke can be perceived as completely inappropriate. Yeah. Even though 100% of our society manages life through some form of humor. Right. But when Betty White passed, everyone pointed out how she kind of put her career on pause and she went to, she went and was a nurse in World War II. And Elvis, you know, Elvis also served our country. Like there was many famous people who, who were just so down for the cause that they put their careers on hold. And I was thinking about it. And if there's anyone who is going to volunteer to go for, for to war, Local for us, it, it's no. Oh my God. That's a good call. But no, <laughs> I think Jake maybe, but I was going to say Chris Pratt. Oh my God. You're so right. It would be He's Chris Pratt. horny for that. And if yeah. like, because Mark Wahlberg's also the, you know, classic, like 9-11 wouldn't happen on my watch, you know, sort mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> I think he might be like a hair too old, but I think we are going to see some of these celebrities step up to the plate if it does get to that point. Yes. Although, you know what? It actually blew my mind as a, you know, as a boxing stan, as you know, you and I both boxing stans, heavy mm-hmm. boxing fans. Did you know that um, Klitschko is the mayor of Kiev? No. Yeah. Like actual heavyweight champion of the world, former heavyweight champion of the world. I forget his name. I always want to call him Vladimir, but it's not. But Klitschko is the fucking mayor of Kiev. And you know, President Zelensky the Ukrainian president was um, a big comedian before he was president of Ukraine. Yes, I did hear that. Like, was he like not, was he like the second lead on like a big sitcom or something? Yes, he was in in a sitcom where he played a school teacher who becomes the president. Uh, Yeah, I mean, maybe we should have thought about that when everyone was like, no, it's crazy. Donald Trump will never get elected. Maybe we should have thought about there's countries where literal sitcom stars. Yeah. And they seem to be doing a a fabulous job by the looks of it. I mean, Mr. Feeney would have been a great president. (laughs) He's still with us, by the way. I don't mean to say that in past tense, but Mr. Feeney, when in his younger years, great president, I think. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are some great things to look forward to, guys. Tiffany found this TikTok from an account called Past Time Travel. And you'll see these types of accounts like quite a bit. I've seen them on Instagram, Twitter, and definitely on TikTok. But it's a version of predictions. But this person is, I guess, portraying themselves as some sort of time traveler. And they posted a video That says, attention, in a few months, one of the most famous musical artists is going to reveal that they faked their death. This person was known as a legend, and the music world has missed them. The event will be known as the biggest event for a singer ever. 
They will explain why they did this after the world knows they're alive. Wrong form of there, by the way. <laughs> so let's – a lot of people in the comments are saying Elvis, which like, guys, if the person would be over 100, that's definitely not the prank. Like, if that's not – you got to give up on Elvis. And I would have loved to have believed that Elvis was really alive for much of my life because I'm, you know, grew up loving Elvis. Yeah. But I mean, really, truly, Elvis Presley, poor digestion. Poor digestion. Poor <laughs> digestion. Exactly. Poor digestion. Exactly, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. So, and also, like, you know, of course, Tupac's getting thrown out. I don't think Michael would be met with the reception that some of these commenters are saying. No, I don't think so either. Also, sidebar, I saw it. I don't know if this has come up on your FYP, but someone's dug out an old clip of Michael Jackson, like, looking at, like, girls in the back of a limo and he's calling it fishing. And it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. Because to hear Michael Jackson say the word titties bouncing is bizarre like it feels like a deep fake but anyway no isn't that weird it's like god there's that guy did, there was a clip last week that was viral of this guy being like listen i love women but i do not like pussy oh like i'll <laughs> fuck them but like you know like oh like what's going on down there and it's like babe you're gay it's okay yeah. it's okay it's okay, but it is always fascinating to see someone like, especially when it's just so not their beat, you know? Yeah, yeah. To see to see someone doing a hell, taking a hell of a chance and trying to, I don't know, I guess make us believe. You know who I've heard is like that? Go Jason on. Derulo. Oh, I could believe that. Jason Derulo apparently loves talking about pussy in a way that like from like straight man to straight man from what I've heard it's like this is actually weird even for us (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah it's uh that's very interesting I would love to see that clip of Michael I'll send it to you. I'll, we'll put it in the links below. But yeah, I mean, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, do you think this person is going to come back with JFK Jr. for the QAnon stuff? Like if it, they're part of the same time capsule from the past that isn't really dead? No, I actually, I don't think the, they live in the same universe okay. as each okay. other. Because I don't think any, like the only people who want JFK Jr. to be alive Not that he ever did anything wrong, but, like, the only people who are, like, hoping for that are, like, mentally ill bigots. Mm -hmm. And the people who want to believe that their favorite – like, music is such a – it's so powerful, more powerful than politics um, or the creator and editor of George magazine – there's like you know there's nothing more powerful than music and i would say that like deaths of musicians seem to rock the world significantly more mm-hmm. than almost anyone else who passes away yeah like when steven sondheim died i was just like the emotional effects i was seeing that have on so many people And, you know, I thought like my way, because I don't really know anything about musicals too much. I was like, my way of handling it was to just text my friends who I knew were musical fans and to just say like, he would have loved you. 
you know, like I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got to say, cause it's like, that's what they want to hear. That's what people like. It's like, you know, they're mourning something very specific that I don't think you like certain actors if they die tragically. You'll hear about that. Philip Seymour Hoffman was one Anthony Bourdain, you know, he, he's a chef, but you know, that was the death that really rocks people. I think suicide really rocks people, but mm. no, I don't think it's Tupac. I don't think it's Biggie. I think that like, if, people got into a place of thinking like, you know, God forbid, I don't even want to say it out loud, but like if it was like Mac Miller or something like that's just fully fucking disrespectful. Mm. But like, who could it be? Well, here's the thing. Controversially, I don't know if I would want anybody, even people I really, really love to come back because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know. I think there's like a magic in the in the immortalization like I've been re-listening to a lot of Nirvana of late and I feel like if Kurt really wasn't dead and he came back and I heard like a Nirvana album in 2022 I probably wouldn't like it yeah yeah well I mean it's also like fumbling the ultimate bag like if you figured out a way like I would love to change my identity I would love to (laughs) Never see or speak to any of you motherfuckers ever again, truthfully. Oh, no, no, no I'm just mom, kidding. No. Tiff. What, I'm kidding. How will we do the podcast? <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll figure out a way, but I'm kidding, you guys. But like, don't use, I think we all feel like that sometimes. Like, I wish I could just, if I have to be here, I wish I could do it my way. And that I don't have to be Molly McLear and pay taxes and like, <laughs> you know, constantly like you know be accountable to like you know certain people like you know what I mean like I just wish sometimes it's like okay I wish I could just like go completely off the grid and start over I'm always very envious when I hear people doing that and maybe a documentary or something and I don't know if everyone feels that actually now that I say that more and more and you're silent like maybe it's just no no I know I agree I totally agree but then like I'm fucked up so well, yeah, actually, yeah, I don't think I'm a good clear. yardstick. <laughs> no, you're right. Actually, that's that's the other problem too is that I speak so confidently about something that probably half the people listening to this are incredibly alienated by. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just I I think that like being able to you know start your life over again by faking your death is a once in a lifetime opportunity, and you in this type of person who would do that wouldn't also be the type of person who feels like they need to return yeah well I think a lot about death becomes her which is like one of my all-time favorite movies and I think about like if I had to disappear from public life after a while because you know otherwise the jig would be up about my sort of immortality how would I fake my death and what would I come back as like I have thought about this what would you be well I would definitely be something incredibly fabulous I think like if I was to fake my death like let's say I take Isabella Rossellini gives me the potion I'm immortal I think I would like take myself out at like age 50 and then I would like kind of disappear for a while I think I would come back as like a scammer oh that's a good call but you have to be so good at it or you're just gonna go to prison yeah, and then I'd be in prison forever. <laughs> yeah. Because I would never die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I could, like, get it, I would literally, 
I would go to an island. As long as I have like fucking computer, I don't care about anything. Yeah. Do you think that you would feel bummed about having to give up the at malls account though? If you fake your death? Um, no, I would have it memorialized. Okay. <laughs> You'd have to have the, the thing that like really annoys me about the idea of like disappearing and having to start again is like having to like get a stupid username with like a one and like an underscore in it so that mm-hmm. I could still be on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, because all the good ones would be taken. And then I'm like, what am I going to fucking call myself? You'd have to make up one. You'd have to be a person who like sort of invents a nice little combo of vowels and consonants together into their own new word. Schliebs. Which yeah. was, yeah, such a thing, by the way. Do you remember that was like such a thing for people to just sort of like make up words to call themselves? Yeah. It's like. Now that I look back on it, what a bizarre thing to do. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I had a friend. Well, this is not making it worse, but this is just hilarious. I had a friend who um, very briefly in school just like, came in one day and was like, by the way, people are calling me Raven now. <laughs> I was like, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> no one's saying that. <laughs> Going through the comments really quickly, I want to just see. So a lot of people are saying like, Elvis, MJ, someone said Tupac at the Super Bowl, which would be like, oh, I mean, like, um, can you imagine like oh people? God. I mean, like, and also you can't forget, like when someone like Tupac dies, like the pain, like, I mean, God, if it was Biggie, can you imagine like, you know, Diddy like and Faith Evans really got things extra going for themselves with that tribute yeah. song? yeah. Like the absolute devastation. Someone says Aaliyah, and I'm like, no one would do that to Missy Elliott. No mm-hmm. one would do that to Missy Elliott. You've got to be kidding me. Someone said XXX Tentacion, the only rapper to do this. Um, been a while since I've heard that. Mm. What about Amy Winehouse? Has anyone said Amy Winehouse? Oh, someone did. Someone goes Winehouse with five exclamation points or five question marks. Yeah, you know, guys, like. If someone died of a drug overdose, like, that's not, like, a flattering story to get out there. Like, I don't think that that's the one people would pick. No, no. Similarly with Elvis, I mean, with all of, like, the rumors swirling around the way he died. I mean, and MJ as well. Like, I'm, and there's something, I mean, death is not glamorous at the best of times. It's a great leveler to us all. But if you're a celebrity who's faking your death and you're in control of the narrative, I just don't think propofol is the way that you choose to go publicly exactly like suicide maybe because like it implies that there was agency to begin with right but when it's like accidental that's just yeah I mean a lot of people are saying Elvis Tupac guys Elvis would be dead even if he was alive I know I know some of these people it's like uh do we want to pick someone a little more recent because like I don't, again I don't want to hear an Elvis album in 2022 yeah I mean yeah it's most of these people all really have the same Avril Lavigne someone said <laughs> that's funny okay well moving on you guys think about it think about it who what celebrity do you think is coming back <laughs> uh musician specifically okay someone wrote Betty White too which is like, oh my God, will you guys will fucking let it rest? Let it. She was let 99 rest. years old. Yeah. If Betty White faked her death, it was that so all of you would stop saying, was she dead? Like, <laughs> she probably was like, I'd love to just get this over with. 
I don't want to go into my, I don't want to start my 100th year with people being like, is she dead? Like it's, you guys are crazy. (laughs) I'm speaking directly to you, by the way, whoever's listening to this. So, you know, my obsession, I don't know why I, I don't know why I am so obsessed with the vlog squad, David Dobrik. I don't know why I am so drawn to this. I think it was because I went through a really bad two years of depression where I nearly like did not leave my bed. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see anyone. I didn't go out. I was doing a lot of Postmates, a lot of Postmates. Like I was just, and I'm not even like an eater like that. You know what I mean? It was like in a very strange place in my life. And for a while I did almost go down the alt-right pipeline without realizing it. But I became very like, it was very, I was on the, YouTube suggested page a lot. Right. And I think I found out about David Dobrik because of maybe Tana mentioning him. Cause I always enjoy, I always enjoy Tana. No, I think I found out about them through Trisha because Trisha was dating Jason Nash. Jason, yeah. And, and, and Trisha, like, you know, when you're depressed, there's nothing like turning on a two hour Trisha Paytas unedited <laughs> video and just zoning. So I started to like, look up who Jason was. And then that led me to David. And then I was like, what's going on with this girl, Liza. And then like, I just felt like I was very entrenched in their content for a while. And I didn't know if I was like enjoying it or experiencing it. So much as like, because obviously I'm not the audience, right? But like, these are videos that were getting 20 million views, David's vlogs. So I'm obviously not the only person who's probably watching this and doesn't really know why. And so, you know, it, it became, he it just, I cannot stress enough how, like, how big David Dobrik was on YouTube. And if you're not someone who watches YouTube, you you definitely don't get it. But even if like you're my age and you don't and you watch other things on YouTube, you might not understand. Like there is never even when you look at some of the big personalities from like what people call the golden age of YouTube, which was like the 2014-2013 era, even mm-hmm. then those videos from some of those creators, if you go and look at their YouTube page, there's their numbers are actually pretty unremarkable. Like, you know, sometimes you'll see someone with like an 11 million views video, but David was consistently getting 20 million views on every single video he posted, which means that a lot of people were watching and anticipating this content and it happened very quickly and definitely was, it was because of his, it was his grind that really like made that happen for him. And so he worked very hard, but these vlogs were never any sort of traditional vlog. They were like a series of sort of like staged kind of sketches or just like larger than life events. And, you know, at a certain point when you have a celebrity in every vlog and you're giving away uh, like a house or a car or something, you know, in every Mm -hmm. single vlog, like the only way is to really spice that up. There was like the science experiment era where they were just like destroying his multi-million dollar home by like mixing chemicals in the backyard with a scientist or, you know, um, 
God, there were so like other like little like streaks he went on when he kept he would keep doing something. But one of his earliest things that he had to stop doing pretty early on were the more like violent, reckless things. And if he did do some of these violent, reckless things, they were like a very like a very famous one from that era is like David was just throwing wine bottles back and forth with one of his friends on concrete and he wound up like basically slicing his hand open and you know Jason Nash being a fucking 40 like a father you know was like we gotta stop this is getting too crazy David you know what I mean um and so like there so you would hear like people were saying stuff like that but you know throwing wine bottles in the backyard that's slow paced right that's like only it's only can get so crazy so if you don't remember we covered this that he over he had stopped making videos during the pandemic which i hate to say during the pandemic cuz we're still in it right but like during you know yeah. when we were yeah when we were all still figuring out what was going on and none of us knew he had stopped making vlogs because you could he you just simply couldn't just run around la there weren't parties. If there was a party, you definitely are not filming that and putting it on the internet unless you're an idiot. And he had way too much to lose at that point. Well, of course, the sexual assault allegations came out and that really blew up everything. But what a lot of people didn't know at the time is that David had also recently tried a stunt with his friends in Utah. He had taken the whole group out to Utah and they were doing a bunch of extreme things. One of his friends, this guy Jeff, had been do- like skydiving essentially for him and uh, David's assistant and her, the assistant's boyfriend, were in Texas before they were in Utah. And they were doing like five skydiving jumps a day. They were trying to get certified so that they could do it without a, without a, person attached to them. They wanted to be able to do it themselves. And that was for David was paying them to do this so that they could do it for something big in his vlog. Well, none of there these people like half of them didn't even go to fucking college. You know what I mean? Like these are just like these are kids that like stumble onto internet fame. So they're none of them are stunt people. None of them yep. are trained to do this. These are people that are like doing what they can. So there was an incident, Jeff went from Texas to Utah to meet David and all the other guys in this group because they were going to do some like extreme stuff in Utah. And one of them was taking an excavator out to the middle of a lake and swinging a person around on the excavator, getting like really beautiful footage of them in this like, you know, scenic lake sort of thing. And when his friend Jeff got on, even though David's friend had already warned him that he was like, you know, you're out of control. Like you're doing this too fast. Like it was, you know, he'd almost done it to Corinna, one of their friends. And so he gets Jeff to get on there and Jeff winds up, you know, basic physics, like David started to go faster. Then he went slower and that led Jeff to collide face first into the arm, I guess, of the excavator that he was flying around on. And he obviously had brain damage from this head damage, and he nearly lost one of his eyes. 
It's horrific. It's so it's horrific. horrific. It gives me the chills because I you, everybody knows that one guy like at a party who just like is doing something and you're just like fucking stop, 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 seriously, fucking stop. And and then it just gives me the fuck. It just gives me the chills. Quite honestly, it seems like he went from what seems like to be what I would call like a puppy with big paws. You know what I mean? Where he mm-hmm. like kind of it's like you're you're kind of like sweet and innocent, and I don't think you realize like you're like hurting me. You know what right. I mean? Like you're, yeah. Like you're, you don't like you just don't you just don't aren't you not not aware of yourself, right? So, yeah. but it went from that to like, oh, like is there's this isn't going to stop. Like you're not going to stop trying to beat the next thing, and you're not really processing. You know, he's operating the excavator with one hand; he's holding the camera with the other. Like you're not paying attention while using heavy machinery. And super reckless feels super reckless crazy reckless and so i guess during one of these you know david jeff agreed not to sue david or he said you know i'm not going to sue you it was a mistake and at the time there was a lot of conversation about there just being this power dynamic where david really like gets people up he's also very he's very insistent he's like one of those he's like a five more minutes type kid like yeah. he's that kid where I had an ex who literally everything that he did it would be like okay it's time to go he'd be like five more minutes can we just do it for five more minutes and no. I remember meeting his mom and he was doing the five more minutes thing to me and she was like he was always like that you know whenever he'd be outside as a kid he'd be on his bike and he'd say just five more minutes and I looked at her and I said well did you ever say no Cause like, this is like, he, he just didn't know that like things have to stop at a certain point, you know? Yeah. And so I don't even think she answered me. I think I stunned her, but like, (laughs) it was like, you know, this is what happens when you give people permission their whole life to just keep running things. So Jeff made a documentary that he very much sort of like downplayed. He tried to tell a little bit of his life story. He really downplayed how responsible David was. And he basically said like, David's a good kid. Accidents happen. And you know, David should be scared for his life because at the time now discovery channel, I believe helped him get his green card, which is like kind of, I couldn't stop thinking about that. That like, Oh, oh, we got a discovering David Bobrick. Yeah. Yeah. He gets a travel show and they're like, Oh yeah, this is, this will be a good U S citizen now. Like does discovery network have that pull to get someone U S citizenship? But anyway, you know, when this accident happened, had Jeff died, not only would have David been, you know, tried for manslaughter, he would have been deported. Yeah. It would ruin his life and like the, the, you know, tens of people that rely on him for employment. Like it would have devastated so many people, uh, you know. That's not even mentioning the person who passed, right? So Mm -hmm. Jeff turned on David this week. Jeff had his ninth out of 10 surgeries that he's had to have on his eye. During the first surgery, he, the doctor fucked up, I guess. And basically like the retina was almost detached, which would mean that his eye was essentially useless. So, like, there was in every surgery he's had, he explained in one video I watched about this that 
when this surgery he just did, if there was a one millimeter difference in where the muscle or something was moved, he would lose all sight. So the doctor was like, we have to move it three millimeters. I'm going to move it too because, you know, you're close to going blind. So, yeah, I guess it went okay, but Jeff gets back from this surgery and he is on painkillers. Jeff, I believe, is sober, so he doesn't get, like, fucked up. I'm sure, you know, he probably, you know, I think he's sober or at least, you know, he doesn't drink. And so I don't think he's a drug user at all. But like many people on painkillers, they get you really fucked up. And so he was like kind of going off on a live stream that was supposed to be just on his Patreon, but got leaked about how, yeah, I unfollowed David Dobrik. Like, fuck him. Like, I'm done dealing with that guy. He's a fucking fake. You know, I never hear from him. Like, I'm out here getting my ninth fucking surgery and the kid can't even pick up the phone and say, how you doing? (laughs) So I take it Dave is not paying for all of this either. No, it's... Now, he was supposed to be paying everything, but it turns out that there was also... Well, I'm going to play the clip from his podcast, Jeff FM. (laughs) Here is the first part. It'd be 80 years old and go through another eye surgery and have him fucking text me. Yeah, I I get that. The real reason I was mad, it's going to come out publicly in a month anyway, but David filmed a documentary and the producer of the documentary, creator of the documentary, director, whatever you want to call it, he called me, FaceTimed me to show me the clip of the interview when David addressed the situation with the crane. And he said that it was my fault. David blamed me for the, the crane. He insinuated that I was crazy. I always want to push it. And I'm the reason that this happened. When that's complete bullshit. There's 20 people on the beach that are witnesses. I have fucking six terabytes of footage of you asking me, begging me to go out there and do the thing again and that you would spin it slow. You just want to take me out there because it's more scenic and it looks better on camera. It's more cinematic. And just to hear him sit there and say that, I was like in shock at first because I'm looking at it over FaceTime and I just couldn't believe that he would say that. But imagine you smash somebody's skull in. They take it on the chin. They don't sue you. They don't fucking press charges. I, I mean, anything could I would nearly die. I came an inch from death and an inch from going blind. I'll have lifelong brain injuries and save them from fucking everything. You would have got deported. You would have got put in jail for manslaughter. You could have got sued for everything. I took it on the chin, and then to see this, and that just made me completely lose all respect for this guy and lose all hope that he could ever turn around and become a better person. You know, I know he does a lot. He's supposed to cover the hospital bills. They slacked because whatever the fuck they're doing, making stupid vlogs, they didn't pay attention to something that's, I, I would think it's pretty important here because the, the bills go to my name and our agreement was just cover the hospital bills. I don't care about anything else. I don't, I'm not coming after him for money I lost from not being able to work or anything like that. But I got a, a bill that wasn't paid that I didn't know about. Just didn't deal with it. And he goes with David's team and they didn't pay a fucking bill. I got an infraction on my credit now. I go to get a house and I can't get a loan because now I have another. So it's just like things are piling up over and over again. And just try a little bit. For those who think I'm trolling or I'm fucking crazy on Instagram, honestly, I could give a fuck because it's the best I've felt in a while. Getting all this shit off my chest. You know, it feels good. So 
While those clips were a little choppy, I think you get the gist. Yeah. David lying in the Casey Neistat documentary. I don't know why I'm shocked by that. Well, I was assumed that Casey would have a little more vigilance than to take that as as fact, right? Or like, I don't know, we haven't seen it yet, but like, I would always assume that Casey would interrogate it somewhat because, I mean, the sit-down interview that Casey did with Logan, I felt like he was almost, he was almost like a bit too harsh in a lot of ways. Like, he was almost sort of scrutinizing his answers a little too much. So I yeah. assumed that he wouldn't give David the same benefit of the doubt either. Well, you know, Casey really, like, loved David. Like, I think he really, like, saw him maybe even narcissistically as like a, yeah, this is a guy who's like carrying on my legacy or like, you know, I helped build a platform so that this guy could survive and like, he's killing it. And so I like, I mean, they were working on that documentary. They started filming like years ago, I think. And so much has happened since then. What I think is really interesting too, is that Casey has always been a very vocal Jeff fan. Um, and I find Jeff's humor to be like, I personally don't relate to it. There's also all this talk about how he's such a beautiful man and how like basically this accident has disfigured his face. And like, I'm not saying this from a, like a hatred or like mean standpoint or whatever. I just don't know that I would look at that guy and be like, that's the most beautiful spec. Like I always felt, I almost <laughs> felt like I was missing the joke a little bit because I was like, why are they saying he's like the most handsome man on earth? Like he's a standard good looking guy in LA. He's, he's a very like default man. I don't think he's anything in particular. <laughs> Go to the Beverly center and you can see 25 Jeffs just walking through, you know, I mean, like he's a good looking guy definitely this has affected his income i mean i guess jeff also has a great body and that's something he's like really you know a fitness is a big part of his brand as well but well, he casey could is, look at sir he, he could like honestly i wouldn't have, i would not be surprised if he has he, do, he does look like someone who has worked at sir like for context if you've never seen <laughs> jeff that's he looks very much like he would be he wouldn't stick out yeah he's about as attractive as tom or tom and so i yeah i just like casey's always been i think there was a you know i saw him in like a somewhat prominent interview i forgot really what the space was but they asked him like who's one youtuber that people should watch and he's like uh jeff wittick honestly he does this like barber shop style show and i was thinking to myself really like I'm glad, like, I'm, I'm, I love it when people see value in things, especially in things that like confuse me because I just don't know. I don't, I like, I didn't, like, that's, it's surprising to me. But Casey's been a huge fan of Jeff's and it almost seemed as though Casey might not have been there for the interview with David and was reviewing footage. Like, maybe it seems like maybe one of the other producers came in and was doing some of those interviews with David and, and that could even be that at this point, like Casey knows he's not going to get the most genuine thing from David. So maybe he is sending right. someone else to do these and then getting the footage and rewatching it. And like, that is like such a, a bro move for him to have called up Jeff and said, like, I just want to show you what David says here. 
mm-hmm. that you're prepared. Mm-hmm. Like, what a bro move. Like, either Casey has really turned on David, and that's why he did that, or he's just a solid dude, because there's no reason why a filmmaker would make his subject vulnerable like that. Yeah. And potentially spoil his own documentary by telling someone who's like, you know, clearly this has made Jeff into a loose cannon. But Jeff, you know, he does have positive things to say about Casey. And in this episode, Jeff is joined by his friend Cody, who is a guy that I think he knew back from New York. And him and Cody got into a really like they both have done time in prison for drug dealing. But Cody did much more time. And they, the two of them are very close friends. They've had ups and downs or whatever. But Cody it has that thing where he – I do love this about – like I, I don't even qualify and say like blue-collar thing that people sometimes do where they unnecessarily pluralize a word. He's like, Casey Neistat's. I like Casey Neistat's. He's a good guy. You know? Like I I, I – I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that that was like, it seems like Casey might have maybe even turned on David, but, and I would probably turn on him too if I had spent two years filming all of his friends and all this shit comes out. Right. So Cody got wind that H3, Ethan Klein, Hila was not there. He was breaking down Jeff's interview on the podcast. And I think, and I think, Ethan made a crack about Cody and Ethan's like a little bit like a petulant little brother like that. I, that's how I would sort of describe his personality and also his ability to take a joke about himself kind of, Mm -hmm. but Cody, you know, like that's the kind of, that's the kind of guy that doesn't take a slight, like it always has a consequence, right? Like a slight like that. Any sort of, any sort of like, you know, shitty little comment made about him. He's going to focus on it. So, Casey wound up like posting, you know, you like had him on, um, on his calendar, like H3, like beef, you know, or something like he was going to like basically implying he was like going to go kick Ethan's ass. And then I think he had also driven past his house and shot like a video of him doing a drive by like at Ethan's, not a shooting, but a drive by at Ethan's place. Like I'm going to fuck this motherfucker up or whatever. And so what's up in the air now is whether or not Jeff is Jeff is supposed to go on H3 this coming Friday. And because like that's where a lot because Jeff went on H3 after the sexual assault allegations and Mm. really fucked up. And at the time, he couldn't reveal that the reason why he was kind of like so fucked up and strange in that interview was because he'd been in an accident. He was still hiding that he had been in an accident. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear right now whether or not Jeff is going to do H3 because like as much as that as much as Ethan's shameless and that is the that's a great interview for him to get I don't know if they want to risk having someone like someone like that who has friends like that in their house. Mhm. Cuz they have been doxxed and they had to move they moved from their house and wherever to um, like a $10 million Beverly Hills mansion because they were so tired of being doxxed and swatted. They had to move to like a gated community. So I don't know. It's up in the air, but yeah. What do you think about this? 
I'd be really interested to see how this second appearance on H3 goes now that some of the dust has settled and like the air has been cleared for want of a better word and Jeff may be able to speak more freely. I also had assumed that like maybe there would be some kind of legal, some kind of legal golden handcuff somewhere that would prevent him from being able to talk about the incident in too much detail. So that is another thing that I'm kind of wondering about. Well, he's chosen so far not to sue David. Unless David had right. him sign something, which he obviously exactly. didn't. Yeah. That's what I was thinking is like, oh, you know, could he could he retrospectively sue? Or is, there, is that kind of off the table because there's an agreement that's been reached in private about something else? Or if there's kind of other compromat, to use a Russian term. So it's a kind of, um, you know what is the word that I'm looking for but you know mutually assert maybe there's mutually assured destruction I don't know yeah so I I actually I'm pretty sure there there is no agreement like that in place mainly because Jeff does uh, mention that he you know maybe I will sue he says something like that so there's a a lawyer that live streams a lot on YouTube called Emily D Baker and I believe she did one of her like standard, you know, we got to cover this sort of live streams when this all came out. And she basically said like, there's like a three-year statute of limitations on something like this. Like you absolutely can sue. Right. It, it was very, she kind of breaks it down a lot more. So if you're interested in like what actual legal ramifications could exist for David, the main thing is that the deportation's probably off the table. Yes. Which I think was everyone's, you know, I wouldn't say their main concern, but like their go-to thought during all of this is like, oh my God, David's not even a citizen. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see you guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing the documentary when it comes out. I did email the PR people to see if I could get and, and I think that they, I did say I was from Time Lately. They probably did one Google and were like, no, you will not be attending the screening. <laughs> oh, but we've always been very favorable to Mr. Dobrik, that little slut, that little whore. <laughs> oh, our little slut or little whore. Okay, wait a minute. This is actually, so this is, this is a prediction that you got, okay? This is another one that you were saying you thought Doja Cat was going to get canceled. And, because of something she would say on live. Right. And as of right now, she is not being canceled for this. But she's engaging in behavior that is like, I would expect this from an influencer, but even an influencer, I would be surprised if they engaged in behavior like this, let alone, like, didn't she win Best New Artist at the Grammys? Like, isn't she? Like, mm. Doja's like one of, is a sensation. Yeah. So- she saw a video. Have you were you, are you aware of Lori Hill? Did you ever watch her videos before? I wasn't I wasn't aware of her before. I mean, maybe I would I would have watched something of hers that would have been recommended to me because I'm definitely heavily on like I mean, I follow a guy who breaks down hair transplants and did a video about when the Paul brothers would have had hair, hair transplants. So I'm like I'm in that part of the algorithm that's very much looking at kind of surgical shit. So Please I'm send sure me that. Yeah, I know. I'm like Yuck. enraged that you've never. I'm like jealous. <laughs> and I'm like, should we just stop podcast so I can go watch my video? What's going on? 
that I, I enjoy Lori Hill. Like what she does is she basically like lifts the veil off of plastic surgery and celebrities. And she does use all that legally protective language. But, you know, Lori Hill is someone who has done cosmetic procedures. She's proud of them. And she will take a very honest look at a celebrity's face and she will use pictures that, you know, where it's like very similar lighting, where it's very like, you know, clear on face. Because a lot of the, the things with like celebrity plastic surgery, when you look at them, it's just like that's a different angle. Mm-hmm. That's makeup. You know, she makes very informed videos on, for example, Ariana Grande has a completely different face. Then, but she did her work very subtly over time. Like, I don't even think anyone could possibly pinpoint when she started doing her lips. But one day, like, you know, now she has like the sort of, you know, very filled lips that we see a lot of people with. And it seems like she did it incredibly gradually. Right. Mm -hmm. So. She will go through and say, like, you know, you can see, like, the eyes a little bit lifted here. And a lot of people say that it could be makeup. But actually, if you, like, look here, there's a telltale sign that this is actually, like, a like sort of like a cat eye surgery or a brow lift or things that, like, I don't even think for a lot of us, like, the buckle fat remove, like, things that a lot of us don't even really realize there are surgeries for oh totally like where we are now like in terms of like minimally invasive like surgical treatments or non-surgical like interventions is so like this area has come on so much in the last few years right like there's just it's it's infinite possibilities that can be done with like minimal downtime you're not kind of not everything is just a facelift also my pet peeve is people thinking that filler is botox and people go yeah she's like her face is like full of botox it's like it's not what botox looks like oh my god shut up it drives me nuts and also guys i don't you should like i don't know what you should get like (laughs) don't ask me like go to a fucking doctor like you know someone said like should i get botox or fillers it's like babe i don't know (laughs) not medical advice what are you going for you know what I mean like I there's a big difference between freezing your forehead a bit with like Botox than there is doing like even cheek fillers there they live in different worlds yeah that said I will say that Lori Hill always she has a little bit of like a Tati vibe to her where she's like very you know pretty she's very presentable she's very put together she has a well she makes well lit high quality videos that she really takes her time speaking she's very clear and she's always very i will say like kind and matter of fact and she'll always like maybe the worst thing she'll say is like you know it does seem that during this period she might have gone a little bit overboard and that's why she corrected this like mm-hmm. in 2016 you can see this change a little bit right like um ariana grande is eyebrows were like are always a meme because they're sort of just like stick straight and sort of oddly placed on her face and they weren't always like that (laughs) so she'll find very like nice ways to talk about this and again never shaming and she always at the end tallies up what each procedure would cost on like the high and low end and how much money it would be 
And I think that this is a fantastic service that she's offering because we live in a world where with so much concern about filters and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that like really one of the biggest mind fucks is plastic surgery and celebrities. And I, and, and not only making this information available, but like to let people know how much money was put into. I've heard some celebrities, like some of the, she's gotten to like gone through a whole list of procedures and she'll be like grand total. That's about Mm $85,000. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that's it. Like you're like your average reckless person could probably have that financed mm-hmm. somehow, you know? And like, to, I was going to say, never is it truer. You're not ugly. You're just poor. Like yes. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh, fucking right. Like that makes me feel quite comforted actually. Yeah. In fact, um, an expression I always love is money pretty. Oh yeah. I love money pretty. You introduced me to that. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so Doja saw that there was a video about her. You know, it, it does seem that Doja is a little wasted in this video. And she went on Instagram live and she's just too big for this. Like, that's the thing. It's yeah. like she. Yeah. She even might have referenced it in the video. Let's just play it. But yeah. 200,000 fucking views on this video by Lori Hill. And it's called Doja Cat Looks Different Than Before. Here's why. And everybody would say, Doja, what are you doing? Stop it. What are you doing? Stop being, uh, going on the internet and looking at stuff about you and plastic surgery, blah, 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 blah. That's what this is about. It's, it's about plastic surgery. It's about this Lori Hill talking about people's bodies, talking about people's surgery. But this bitch made a plastic surgery video on Megan the Stallion. Shut the fuck up, bro. At that rate, Megan the Stallion is home fucking grown. The bitch has nerve. And I'll tell you something. You want to sit there in your fucking chair talking about how this girl and that girl and this girl got this and that done? Look at you. You got work to do right now. And I won't say more. Let's go. Fucking go. Let's go. Let's talk. Let's chop it up. I'm pissed off. And a lot of people would say, you're mad because it's the truth. You're mad because she clocked you on something. But fuck that. I'm mad because there's lies about me. That's what the fuck I'm mad about. So there is a full video, um, and I'll link it in the description. But she does say in this live later that she actually did go to a plastic surgeon last week because she's like, I want my titties stapled to the clouds. She's like, I want my titties like as high as possible. I'm not ashamed to admit that. And I went and the doctor basically said, like, don't touch, don't touch yourself. Right. But like, first of all, it's like, again, this sort of like it's perpetuating this stigma that it's, there's something wrong with it. And like one reason I felt like, you know, want, first of all, when I was like broke, when I was like 23 years old, living in a shitty apartment, like barely had my cell phone turned on half the time because I couldn't afford it. Um, when I worked at Defamer, people would like leave comments being like, oh, Molly got her lips done. And it's like, first of all, that wasn't even like commonplace at the time. Mm-hmm. But like, secondly, I don't have money. 
Like I didn't have, I wouldn't have even had money to do something like that. And it was like very like accusatory versus like, oh, did you do that? You know what I mean? It was never just like a question. It was, it was always felt like it was a shaming type thing. And Mm -hmm. the amount of offense she's taking here, it seems like it's almost from like another time. And it also doesn't seem on, it doesn't seem like on Doja's message. You know what I mean? I don't like, I feel like she's very open and very like, yeah, do what you want, you know, type of girl. But if you'll remember back in during her first cancellation, when it came out that she was spending hours and hours a day drunk in tiny chats, (laughs) she, there were people in there who said that she had like severe drinking problems, severe eating issues. This is all, uh, you know, repeated gossip. And I'm not saying this to slander her, but one of the many things that people who were in those chats with her were repeating was that she had definitely had work done and was always talking about other work she wanted done. So I think part of the reason why these questions around Doja's looks even really started to go around was because people are still at least in the back of their mind holding on to that thought of like, wasn't there all this talk that like she had done all that? Like, and I remember being surprised because I was thinking like, well, her, you know, if work was done, she has done it. What I feel is really tastefully because she has one of the best bodies out there. But Yeah. yeah, I mean, it it's a it doesn't feel I think you you kind of nailed it like it doesn't feel on brand for her to come for like a YouTube creator like this with like such ferocity um when she says like she's it's like no it's like lies and you know there's it's this isn't about you know whatever it's about like the lies being out there and I'm like Doja people are writing lies about you constantly on the internet like 24 7 like of all the people to come for, like really, Laurie Hill is the is the hell you're gonna die on here. It's not my place to say whether or not, like you know, she's had stuff done if she hasn't. But like, if she has, then I can understand this level of defensiveness for a multitude of reasons. I think there's like, you know, after the the boom of these like minimally invasive procedures, then there's of course there's an inevitable backlash because people will. I don't know, use it as a, as a kind of insult. Like I, I remember like when I first started getting Botox, whatever, and like tonally, some people would be a little like weird about it. Like I, like I had a conversation with this like guy that I'd done some work with and, and he was talking sort of about Botox in this like very disparaging way after I had said, oh yeah, like I just had this and I feel really good. And he was like, yeah, you know, you know, I know someone who had it and their face was like, you know, it just looked ridiculous and all the rest is kind of shit and I was like okay I get it that's your line in the sand but it does feel like this is this thing that's being like pulled out as a kind of like as an insult as if like you're incredibly vain or whatever and so maybe maybe she's feeling the like the mood shift around the way we talk about stuff like fillers and Botox and procedures and surgeries and and whatever or maybe not or maybe she's just like wasted and feels like she has an axe to grind but I do or think like maybe she's had a ton of fucking work done yeah and is and really ashamed it. of it because yeah. people don't you know especially younger people a lot of a lot of people don't change things because they don't 
feel insecure about it, right? If you're going to have a big surgery and spend all of that money, especially when you're like a up and coming artist, like, I mean, Doja was also, you know, very clear about the fact that she was really broke for Mm -hmm. the first many, many years of her career. Like she had been signed and was not making any money. And, you know, to be able to finance these things, it means to me that like you're dealing with some really natural insecurity, which I think many people do. Like, duh, like if you're catapulted to the world stage um, in such a stratospheric way, then to 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 do things that would make you feel better and, you know, perhaps more secure or whatever it might be, whether it's warranted or not, is completely understandable because suddenly you're under a huge amount of scrutiny. I mean, for the most part, people have felt this in a, a much smaller way when everybody kind of, um, you know, went online, went, started working remotely. And there was like the kind of rise of the Zoom face, for want of a better word, which is like suddenly people were kind of forced to look at their reflections for many, many hours a day um, in a tiny little box and see everything that they perceived to be wrong with it. And then as people started coming out of lockdowns, you know, everything, all of those sort of things, procedures, like, you know, they went up, the numbers went up, you know, the doctor who does my Botox, I talked to him and he said, yeah, it was like, it was crazy. Like overnight people were kind of, people were wanting to make these changes. So I think like even that on a micro scale, if you imagine like magnifying that to the point of like Doja's fame with all of these people looking at her face then or her body or what you know her physical being like well yeah no shit but I feel like if you are gonna do shit then don't then <laughs> don't pretend like it's that it's happened naturally like that would be like every other diva. service yeah It'd just be every other diva and ignore it like let the people talk you know but th- that's what really interesting what you said about you know, the guy like sort of giving you shit about Botox and how it's bad and unnatural. Cause again, this is like my, it's my new tear that I'm on, but like, (laughs) this is the, this is exactly the kind of thing. I'll never forget a man in my, that my, you know, that's family adjacent. My mom and I were watching Real Housewives and he came in the room and said something to the effect of, you know, I don't know why women watch these shows. These aren't good for women. Like, this is just women fighting with each other. It's not good. And I was sitting there thinking like, oh, we have a feminist now. Oh, okay. (laughs) Now we have a feminist in the house. And I realized that what he's saying there is a person who has watched none of this is that is something that he heard another woman say. Mm Mm-hmm. And is now repeating it as an excuse to diminish the enjoyment and pleasure that someone might have in the sweet release of an hour of fun television. Okay. Like, and you have to diminish it and make people feel bad about it and treat them like they're stupid because of it. And the thing with like the Botox thing is like that guy probably has happily fucked many people with Botox and he just doesn't know. But because You know, maybe he saw women making fun of other women for doing it. And then now it gives him permission to then go ahead and speak to a woman directly who we know has has done this and be intentionally hurtful and because it seems frivolous to him. When like, I don't know if this is too vulnerable, but I'll be honest here. I've never said this. I don't even think I've ever said this to a friend. So we'll try this out and see how it goes. (laughs) There was a point, it started before the pandemic, and 
it's, you know, it's gotten better. I would say it's gotten better in the last, like only, it's just only in the last like six, six months that maybe I've felt differently. But there was a period of time where I didn't even look in the mirror. Like it wasn't that I was like blacking my mirrors out, although I definitely thought of it. But like I physically felt so ugly that I couldn't even look at myself and I wanted to avoid the image of myself at all costs. And like I'm glad I feel like better or differently about that now. But there was a period of time where I just felt like so hideous and it's a terrible feeling to have. And I don't know what made me fall down this slope of feeling like I am just impossible. I was just hideous to look at. It was never going to get better. I don't know what made me feel like that. But like, I can't say that it wasn't like subtle things people have said to me, you know, teased me about as a child or whatever to like comments I've, you know, people have made that I realized later. I'm like, oh, that was really backhanded. You know, like I think a lot of like my shame around stuff is not realizing something is being completely said that something's being said to me that's backhanded and not realizing it for quite a while. I think that has fucked with my mind more than almost anything because I took something at face value, not thinking someone would possibly be that shitty Mm -hmm. and then realizing it and being like, oh, my God, Molly, you're so dumb. Like you know, like, and that, like, I think that that really like fucked with me. And so like, I think part of what I'm seeing here with Doja, it does seem like not to like, you know, diagnose or whatever, but like, it, it does feel like she has had to do a lot to convince herself that she is like enough. And now she is on the world stage and, everyone's looking at her and they like what they see and like but at the same time that insecure person is in there that's thinking about all of those little things that they maybe have wanted to change or had to change or chose to change and yeah I mean it's like she's fighting her demons in that video yeah I yeah I totally agree and just so you're not feeling completely vulnerable out there on your own I've I've been in exactly the same place as you Mills like I truly I had a I had a little period there where like I would just I'm like very deeply blind and I would just not wear my glasses like when I was around like mirrored stuff and and I just it, it's a really shitty place to be in like really truly like it it's just it's a form of like body dysmorphia that just it gets into your bones and affects your like the, every fiber of your being and it's so challenging and yeah I just wanted to definitely with you thank you girl I know I definitely thank you and it's I don't know it's fucking it sucks like and I mostly shared that because I know there's definitely other people for who feel sure. that way for sure yeah 100 percent 100 percent but yeah I don't know I I just you know I feel uh, I don't know I just wish I don't know like I see like the irony of truthfully I think I have one of the best senses of humor in the world I'll be honest with you I think I am a hall of famer sense of humor haver (laughs) there's a certain level of mean that will never be funny to me and I question the like 
soul of a person who thinks something like that is funny because it's just so mean. And I don't know. I was like a little I'm I'm I'm, I'm like fucking bummed, dude, that Doja turned it around and was like, look at you, Jack Skellington. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if that was in the clip that we just played, but she started to insult Lori's looks. And like, I think when I was younger, if it was one of those things where if it's like you, if you, if you hit first, I'm going. Right. And now, like, if someone were to say something like that to me, I'd just laugh. But like when I was younger, I was like, oh, you want to go? Like, you want to, you want to go through the list? Well, I'll do a list with you. You know, like it was very, and I think that that's also what we were witnessing there too. I mean, she was offering to fight her basically. So <laughs> yeah. She, and we have to remember these people are young. These people, she is young. She's like, what is she like 24, 25? Yeah. She's a baby. She's and like, she's a little, she's a little buzzed and she's reacting like someone who's wounded, which is the, to go on the defensive. It's it, for me, it's like, it's very ugly. Like, it's kind of difficult to watch because I feel like, I mean, Laurie's response to it was to immediately take the video down and then kind of put up a, a post on Instagram that was like, oh, you know, was apologetic and kind of well-balanced and sort of like, oh, holy fuck, like, what have I done? And I felt like it was actually very genuine, her response. She's, and, and you know, say one thing about her is that Laurie will have these very, like, very clickbaity titles and very clickbaity thumbnails but the content of the video and the soul of the video itself is not like I don't think it necessarily comes from a very like bitchy place you know who's very insecure go on and who Doja did not say but she did call Megan who like truthfully I think Megan the Stallion is probably one of the most beautiful women alive she's incredible yeah and I agree with what Doja said. She's homegrown. You know what I mean? That's like, she has that, she has that body that it's just like, there's no doubt it's all real. You know, like she's just, she's got that body, right? But one of Doja's very good friends in this industry and someone who is, seems to be deathly afraid that the public will perceive her as ugly, which is just absurd, is Ariana Grande. Mm. And right underneath where I guess Doja's video would have been was, um, you know, maybe Lori's like more recent update on the procedures that Ariana has done. And our, like, it drives me crazy that Ariana seems to be so insecure because like, it's like, you know, just as a fan, you're not getting good pics. Like she has very specific poses she does that are always the same. She covers her face a lot everything is always incredibly heavily filtered and like it leaves you with one takeaway only which is like does this girl really think will think she's ugly mm -hmm. like is that like is that what's going on and i thought it was very interesting that doja didn't mention ariana because when you go on Lori hill's page ariana's video is right there like it's you know and she's done a few. And I'm and I almost wonder if this is something that like Doja would have found through someone like Ariana. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you're beautiful girls. Let's wrap up with this story. There was a writer, Blair Wood, who put out a TikTok this week because she discovered that her book, Ten Dudes, is basically like the, or rather, this movie Love Hard on Netflix is basically an, a ripoff of a blog that she wrote and then later 
what is about to be her book that comes out later this year called 10 Dudes. So let's play this TikTok because you you know how we feel about plagiarism around here. <laughs> I've been so frustrated and have had so many opinions thrown my way about how I should handle it, but I thought that this was the best way. And God willing, if the truth comes out and I'm just honest, the universe will give this situation what it deserves. Here's a story that will blow your mind and continues to blow mine. In 2016, I moved to Los Angeles. I was an intern at a PR agency, kind of a, like a Devil Wears Prada situation. One of the first accounts I was on was a dating app, which is now a really big dating app. And so as the intern, I was tasked to do a competitive analysis of all of the dating apps, meaning I would get on them, date a ton of people, and then write about my experiences and report back. At the same time, I decided to start an undercover blog on medium.com, which has since been taken down, called 10 Dudes on Tinder, where I documented my dating experiences. And in 2015, was probably one of the first OG dating bloggers undercover in Los Angeles. I have to stop here real quick. Mm -hmm. I love this girl. I'm so happy for her. What happened to her is so fucked up. Guys, nothing that happened in 2015 is anything fucking close to the OG and you need to stop deluding yourself about that. Like back in 2006, I was working at jobs where my employers were asking me to read anonymous dating blogs exactly like the one she just described because they wanted to option it. Like that's, this has been the idea of writing a dating blog as like, uh, I'm going to go out with as many people as I can and get to know myself. That's a, that's a, that's a trope. That's like a, that's not even a, a new thing, but no, not saying that this, all this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This girl's work was probably very much shaken, but like when I said, OG YouTubers or like, you know, whatever in 2013, I was absolutely rolling my eyes when I said that, because like. There's nothing that was done in the tens. That's the first of anything. <laughs> I just want to say that. Okay. Now, I became so overwhelmed with the attention. I was getting podcasts and speaking gigs, social media followers, fans, people asking me to life coach. I wasn't expecting this because I originally was doing all this undercover and people found me out by researching me online that I ended up dropping everything, taking everything offline and moving to study health psychology at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. When I was there, a big UK philosopher and author who shall go and name for privacy purposes reached out to me and said, I found your writing. He somehow found it online. And if you don't publish this book, you're an absolute fool. So I began to turn my writing into a book and that was published in 2021 in November called 10 Dudes. It documents my experience and 10 guys I dated along my dating journey. The crazy part is the week I published my book, a movie on Netflix came out called Love Hard. And it stars Nina Dobrev, another girl from Los Angeles with crazy curly brown hair who is tasked to go on dating apps and write undercover about them. Dating has never really been easy, but modern online dating, you're married, is even harder. But on a positive note, wow, I met someone. Oh my god, he is so cute. Resemblance much? I think so. And so did a ton of my readers who decided to message me and say, Blair, I think your identity has been stolen. Now, you may be like me at first and think there's so many dating bloggers. This story could have applied to everyone. I believe that too, until one day I was crying on my floor during the holidays, watching the movie for the first time and decided to look up who the writer of the film was. 
Here's the real kicker. The writer of the movie is the fiance of my ex-coworker who was a good friend and loved my blog. Talk about true betrayal, heartbreak, and intellectual property rights. If you want to support and bring justice to the situation, you can get on the waitlist for my book and give this video a like. So I get I get the smoking gun. The smoking gun I totally get. The fact that there was like a personal connection to the to the writer of the film. The one thing that I haven't quite put my finger on that. Have you seen the movie? I haven't, no. I have. The movie is entirely about this girl being catfished. The bit about her dating, dating 10 dudes or whatever, you know, her, about her sort of dating undercovers is a very like tiny segment at the beginning. I don't know if Blair had a story where she was essentially catfished to that extent, but the movie is about catfishing more than anything else. So that's really interesting. Okay. Cause like it comes back to a that. little bit of the Sonia <laughs> and Dawn of it all, because it's mm-hmm. like, now, when I hear that, I'm thinking, well, it seems like they used a somewhat like tropey sort of thing as a setup to a bigger story. Mm-hmm. And like that, it, it, you'd be very much mistaken. Like if you just thought generally you own the idea of like sort of doing a dating marathon. I feel like I've seen other movies about that. Isn't like there one called like, you know. 28 dates or something like I feel like I've seen there's like there's movies like that where it's like someone's doing a serial dating thing as an experiment to better themselves or because they work at a magazine and they need to write a story you know something like that every Hallmark movie ever basically what would be the smoking gun for me the way that it was with Sonia was some of the language specifically that was used from like maybe if a line that was like a reader favorite on her blog yes, or re- really yeah. resonated with a lot of people. If that was in the movie, then I'm saying 10 out of 10, yes. But where we are right now is that maybe it's more of what Sonia was trying to claim, which is that you take things you see and have been around in life and you use that as, a, you know, a, a just something to like fill out the rest of the story and like, you know, if the premise of the movie isn't that she's going on all these dates, nope, then it's, you know, and and maybe that's what's not clear here is that she doesn't even touch on the catfishing. No, because the catfishing is ninety five percent of the movie, like like it absolutely is to the point where I was like, I, it kind of blew my mind that she was talking about that movie, Love Hard, because I was like, wait, that feels familiar, but like. But like, what? And then when I went to look it up, I was like, no, I've seen this movie. This movie is not about the thing that she's talking about. To my to my recollection, like as in the takeaway from it was absolutely not that. And I was like, if there was a particular story that Blair had written, like on her blog that was like about being catfished by this kind of um, this person that she was essentially in love with, like the, the film follows this woman who goes to meet this guy spontaneously and when she gets there he's not who he says he is but they enter into a deal whereby he will introduce her to the real guy whose pictures you know he's been using and help her kind of get with him if she pretends to be his girlfriend um, for long enough to kind of convince his parents that he's not a total loser like that's the movie and so I did like some searching and I was like, oh, that's a very unique situation. If Blair had been in that exact situation, then I mean, yeah, hundred percent, that's fucking plagiarism, but couldn't find any evidence of that. And I feel like that 
would have been the smoking gun that I certainly would have mentioned in the TikTok about it. And Blair's book is coming out. It's available for pre-order now. It's just, it's kind of interesting timing. Yeah, I, um, another thing I sort of thought was like glossed over and I understand it could be just for the purposes of a 60 second TikTok trying to get it all in was, you know, it had to have been more than just people figured out that she was behind the blog. Because especially if it was like a work assignment, like, why is that enough to make you leave Los Angeles, choose a completely different career path? Like, no one just Mm -hmm. winds up in L.A. and accidentally pursues PR. Like, Mm -hmm. that is such an intentional, that's such an intentional line of work. Like, you don't, you don't survive a a choice like that unless you really wanted to do it. And then she like, like, you know, kind of really takes a hard left here and is like, yeah, well, then I, people found out who I was. So I decided to switch to a medical profession and I moved to Scotland. It's like, (laughs) well, what happened, babe? Like, because I feel like I know there's so much more in life. There's nuance. Maybe there was a death in the fan. Like who knows what really happened here to make her like pick up and leave. But it seems like, it seems like there's something, there's something missing there. Yeah. I'm missing a key part of the story. I can't like this isn't an open and shut case for me. I mean, the, the, the truly the thing about having that personal connection to like the friends, fiance, whatever was the writer of the movie. I'm like, okay, interesting. But again, depending on the, the level of stuff that was used from life, I, that's what writers are going to do. They're going to pinch from stuff that's around them. When it's Especially something as generic it's just as that. Sort of- if it's, it's, you know, it's not even the inciting incident really is doing this dating thing, it seems like, right? I no, mean, no, definitely not. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's it's kind of like a setup that we've seen before. Um, and it just the the real meat of the movie is this twist. So I don't know. I mean, if even if she's just doing this for like marketing her book or something, I think that this is, you know, this is a smart way to go. And I didn't have so many, I was mad for on her behalf, but now that we're, sorry, my neighbors, like he plays mechanic, um, on the weekends. Um, (laughs) so if you can hear that, I apologize. I can't help it. Um, but yeah, it was on very much on her side, but now talking through this with you, I'm realizing that maybe I don't feel that way. I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on this one. I'm going to keep an eye on it because I, I would be interested to see like how much more of like the art is imitating the life. But like when I watched her video, I was like, it, it the, the difference the, from what she was saying versus the film that I had watched, it made me question the film that I had watched because I was like, surely it's not the film I'd seen because that's not what that film's about at all. Yeah. And also, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but it feels like such, maybe she's just a fantastic writer and she did a really good job of selling this type of story. But the premise itself is very far from unique. Like, there were probably movies in the 80s about people who would comb personal ads and like try and like, you know, I feel like this is a this isn't a very like easy kind of concept to come up with. And I, I have to assume that Sex she's in the a really, city? <laughs> right. I have to assume that she's probably just a really wonderful writer. Yeah. If that's, you know, if she's getting emails saying you'd be crazy not to write a book or, you know. Yeah. Bradshaw walked so that Blairwood could run potentially. 
do you want to talk about your plagiarism? I was, I was plagiarized. I'll talk about it very briefly. A few years ago, I made a beautiful film for a brand called the Grand Bead Pest Hotel. And I was a, it was a piece of work that was actually kind of, it was, I was really proud of it actually. And I worked incredibly hard. And as always, like, you know, I'd pitched the thing, I'd won the thing, I filmed the thing, the thing did really well. It got a, it got a lot of like ni- really nice press coverage. It's like featured in the Huffington Post and featured in the Telegraph and Mashable and all the rest of this kind of stuff. So it and was just it was like, to be clear, like it's, it's about, it was when you say that just because I do worry about our language barrier, you're talking about bees. Like it was a bee yeah. sort of themed thing. So like it's, yeah, it was a hotel bees. for bees. Like, yes. We built a hotel that was made out of like balsa wood that bees like, and it had little tiny miniatures of stuff that bees could enjoy. We had a little gym that was like, had a pool that was filled with sugar water. And there was a queen bee suite, which had a little picture of Beyonce. There was a waggle dance floor that bees could go and dance in. And it was like, it was a PR stunt. It was a PR stunt with like a lovely little film and an artifact. It was like a, you know, it was a PR story. That's like, we'll include a link from your website that has your work, right? Yes. Yeah. And it, like, it, it definitely, you know, it, it, for a, a branded campaign, it definitely sort of like, it reached some nice corners of the internet. Well, this week I was sent a, <laughs> a knockoff version, which is like the Grand Bugapest Hotel, which has been done by, um, or done on behalf of a kind of like holiday resort in the UK, which is like a very, I would say, poor imitation of the work that I did a few years ago that's like being cobbled together. And I think like it's the same, it's basically the same creative, but done like at 5% effort, essentially, by a company that is like their whole job, I think, is to get SEO backlinks. So get, you know, people to feature this story on their pages, whatever. And like as a person who works in, this field generally what I do is like if I have an idea that's like a pun that's like too good to pass up what I will probably do first is google it to make sure that nobody else has done it and if they have done it but I think that there's like room and scope to kind of evolve the idea in some way or build on it then like yeah fine we can have that conversation but generally I would check first but they didn't check and they've released this thing and it's basically my film but shit how do you know they didn't check because because they would have seen it they (laughs) they well I mean like how do you know they didn't see this is my thing too is that you know you run your your shit by yourself and for me I mean I get frustrated about this in the podcasting space like lifetime basically after years of being like, oh, that's interesting. Someone would have a lifetime podcast. Like me being the only person who was doing lifetime podcasts the way I do. They had, they like produced their own lifetime podcast and they hired comedians to read a script. And like, I've been doing this show for five fucking years. And like, I, I know like you know people at lifetime not the ones who would be developing the podcast but i've also spoken directly to people at lifetime movie club and they treated me like a fucking stalker that's why that and the fact that they didn't want to pay me much was like the reason why i kind of like was like i don't want to keep i don't want to move forward they're not going to pay me enough it's like a bad it's a bad look for me to take this deal like it's a respect issue and now that podcast is plugged all over lifetime movie club 
And I want to be like, don't you remember a few years ago when we were speaking, you treated me like a fucking freak. And now you're doing exactly what I did. And it bothers me very, very much when people who have a bigger team, they have more money, Mm -hmm. they have, you know, this, that, and the other thing. They have all of these fucking advantages in life and they steal something that was like the brainchild and hard work of one person. It's very, it's, it's like soul crushing. Yes. And that's, I'll always have, I'll always have empathy for that, you know, but I'm interested to see, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep an eye on Blair and this whole story because I even want to like go read the comments now that it's been a few days since it's been up and see if uh, maybe some of some people in the comments are mentioning just what you said, but you guys, this was a long episode, but it was a fun episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening. And Always Tiffany, appreciate it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry someone did that to you. Okay. And we're going to fix you. it. Thank you. No problem. You guys, this is the best. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons and Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful, or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.